You're listening to the Great to Greater podcast with Tiffany Rufino, where we talk about all things business and life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Great to Greater show with Tiffany Rufino, and I am here with the House of the Dragons to my Game of Thrones, Mr. Jeff Rufino. Hello. Hello. Is that because I'm older than you? You know, it was just, which one would I rather be? And I think Game of Thrones, only because I've had enough time with it to understand the storyline. So, um, <laughs> And I've we don't enough... know what's going to happen in, uh, in the other one. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm really sad that we're almost at the finale for that one, because what am I going to do? Well, I we have other shows we could watch in our spare time. <laughs> yeah. As much as we're allowed. Yeah, because the dogs like to change the channel quite often. <laughs> um, they hit pause. Oh, get it, get it, get it. See what uh, I, I did there? Did. Oh, yeah. Okay, so today we are talking about, um, I don't want to call it advocacy, because I think that's uh, going in a different direction um, than what this topic is, but it's more of having confidence or appreciation for others more than you have for yourself and why is that like why do we boost other people up and tear ourselves down first and what causes that how do we recognize it and then how do we work on overcoming that and i want to know first have you ever experienced doing that to yourself oh i do that all the time you do oh yeah people to yourself (laughs) yeah no way (laughs) absolutely um, people, I would never have like guessed that from you. Well, people come up to me with advice about their own like careers or you know a situation. Not that I'm you know a coach or anything, but uh, when somebody asks me for advice, it's so easy for me to say, "Oh, just do that thing," and they're like, "Oh, wow, that was great." But when I'm in that same situation, I tend to um, uh, overthink instead of going with my first instinct. But does that mean that? You tear yourself down over that? I, well, sometimes. Not in a way that's destructive, but kind of like if I miss an opportunity, I tend to kick myself like, hey, how come I didn't jump in on that when I should have? That was my first thought. You know, it could happen to anything like really simple or really complicated, but it, it happens. Hmm. I think about, you know, there's been... I mean, there's times where you go to your friends and and I think maybe um, it could be different groups of people that do this. But, uh, you know, there's times where I can fish for a compliment, right? You're feeling down about yourself just in general. You're just having a rough day and you say something like negative about yourself and kind of like fishing for that. Oh, no, girl, you look fine. Or like that's not true or whatever. Um, I do it more internally than I do it. Uh, that way, uh, just because that's, I think, the type A personality and, and the perfectionist. Or if I'm venting to somebody, you know, about a work experience or something, like maybe a facilitation I did or a seminar that I did, and afterwards I'm overthinking like like you, right? In, in that sense of, uh, you know, did, did the audience get it? How did they receive it? You know, did they understand what I was trying to say? Because I can come up with analogies similar to how you do and um, you know, try to be more relatable in that sense. And sometimes people are with me on the ride and then some people are like, did she land the plane yet? Cause I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that they fell asleep, but you know, it's, uh, you have to be in the right mindset to receive information. So 
I can't go to each of like 300 to 500 people and I mean, I could offer a survey for them to respond to me, but ultimately I have to be confident in myself that I took everything that I had in my head and laid it out on the table for them so that they could take that information and do what they need to with it. Um, So I think sometimes when it's about me personally and I'm with a group of people that are friends, um, it pertains more to me in where I'm searching for confidence in maybe appearance or um, maybe in just... Uh, I don't know, like my makeup or clothing, which again goes to appearance. But when I'm with work colleagues, it goes to my performance and uh, possibly information that I created. And when I'm with my friends, usually I'm pointing out things that they didn't even notice until I brought it up. You know, like if I say, oh, you know, my foundation is just like not working today or my eyebrows are like, you know, Bert and Ernie. They're just not like the same person. And they'll be like, oh, I didn't even notice until you brought it up. Or, you know, somebody will say to me, oh, this pimple is driving me crazy. And I'm like, what pimple? And then they'll point out where it was. And I'm like, I didn't even like, you know, you just drew attention to it. I literally had no idea that it was there. And it's just so funny how we pick on ourselves, usually prior to anybody else doing it, right? And I think when it comes to friends, there's no competition there. At least in in my mindset, I'm not like hanging out with my friends thinking like we're competing for something. So maybe that's why we glaze over things that uh, normally if there was if we were in a work performance, those were the things that would stand out to us or that we would be embarrassed or self-conscious about. But when you're around people that you're comfortable with, that you feel are there to support you, um, you look past those things. It's just natural for you to just, you know, it's the force of nature, right? Like if you're in the wild and it's the, the earth is just forming and there's like cavemen everywhere. They're looking for the weak ones so that they can, you know, thrive and be like the leader of the camp. But in this realm where you have a group of people that are genuinely just friends and, you know, moving towards different goals in their life and supporting each other, there's no competition. There's nothing to look for that would make somebody stand out as, um, you know, not your competition. Whereas in a work environment, it's, I think when you're quote unquote fishing for a compliment that you're trying to see who's there to support you and who's there to see you stay where you are so they can move up. Um, or so that you can see who views you as competition. Uh, and that in turn can affect how they respond to you and how well you perform in an environment of people who either support you or don't. And I think that some people thrive in an environment where they feel that people are hoping they fail. I think some people underperform if the entire room supports them. And I think that because... If you have a bunch of yes people surrounding you and just like, you're the coolest, like we love you and you're amazing and you always bring like light into the room, I think that's that's a great feeling, right? But if you're looking to go from great to greater, you need those people that will be genuinely um, interested in seeing your success and give you the feedback of either, can you clarify what you said on this instead of just like, oh, hey, it's the Jeff factor, you know, we just... Everything he said is true and he's always great, so I'm just going to roll with it as opposed to like coming up to you and genuinely curious about what you meant about something or, um, you know, you didn't, they didn't understand when you said this or how would you handle this situation? And I think on the spot, those conversations are so important to grow you 
and help you understand how you could have communicated it differently so that um, the questions change each time you give that that teaching, that facilitation, that learning. It's like iron sharpens iron, Correct. I think. Um, and also, sometimes at work, uh, there are a lot of companies that do this. You know about like companies that do self-assessments? They have you oh, yes. do your... <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> Uh, in my field uh, for industrial organizational psychology, it's a huge part of it in having employees do a self-assessment, having leaders of the organization do self-assessments. Um, I think it's good to identify. I love that you brought this up. So I think it's really good for somebody who's there as a consultant to understand what people view their strengths are because you know your strengths usually better than anybody else um and what you're capable of and, and let me let me just ask because sure. I, I just want to know is that are you talking self-assessment as in just a routine before your you know your merit review or something like that or are you talking about a self-assessment when you go into an organization to con- to be a, like a consultant they're usually the same okay so there's different versions of self-assessments one of them that i might use out of the various tools that i have might be the one that that organization only uses for the merit increase or the performance review or like a mid-year performance review, that sort of thing. Um, like there's the disc assessment is like a popular one. There's like the nine box assessment that's there too. Uh, but like the disc assessment helps you identify where your strengths are, especially in communication and leadership and things like that. Um, the nine box helps you identify, okay, where are you currently like are you bench strength or are you underperforming or are you ready to promote like that sort of idea um and i think when i go into an organization depending on the field i'm going to decide which assessment is going to be best based on what the industry is and how many employees there are and what we're looking to identify as the root cause and um, how to grow the employees that are there so i have to pick which tool is best prior to going into it. And for companies that use it for performance reviews, they've already identified which tool works best for them. They either have leaders that are certified in it or have had training in it so they could administer it and then get the results and work through that with the employee and develop them that way. Um, And so when employees receive this uh, assessment, it depends on where your mind is at when you take the assessment. Yeah. That's going to influence the results. And also, um, when employees are looking at stuff, I think uh, I've heard this quite often. I don't know if it's still something that goes on, but you usually hear from leadership leading up to this that nobody ever really exceeds expectations. Everybody has something that they have to work on. So you're almost knocked down before you get to go to that. And even if you are the one that is exceeding expectations, it's like the the complete opposite of like the podcast we had a couple of weeks ago where it's, you know, I met the standards of what you expected me to do and you are expecting me to exceed expectations, right? You know, it, like I'm doing the role I was hired for and by that it looks like I don't care and it doesn't make sense. And then when you get to the performance review after you change your ways, you exceed expectations, then you're getting, well, you met expectations and you're like what the heck it's just so like adverse and reverse um anyway going back to what we were talking about so i believe in self-assessments 
I think that when they're placed with the caveat of this is going to influence your review and that um, you could expect to receive it at a specific time, that it does influence how somebody responds to the self-assessment. Um, if I know that it's coming up, chances are it's going to build like a little bit of anxiety. It's going to be a thought of, okay, let me reflect on the past like six months or 12 months and everything that I did that I forgot to write down, um, that sort of thing. But we always, the majority of us look to um, find our opportunities, right? And really seek out where we want to go, where where we want to go from grade to greater. However, we don't see the opportunities as great. We see them as this is the downfall. This is the weakness I need to improve on, right? And what we miss is that with those opportunities, it's not that it's a weakness or a bad thing at all. It gives your leader an idea of, okay, this is where I could develop this person, this also means, great, there's still more that you can accomplish in this role and, and what you're doing. And if you're identifying that, it's showing that you want to do it and that you're able to identify it. So there's success in looking at it that way and not being the positive poly about it. But, you know, an opportunity doesn't mean that it's anything negative. It means just that. It's an opportunity. You knocked on the door. You let the universe know. And now the opportunity for you to... Uh, learn the things that you put down there are there. And just like you want to be able to identify the things that you want to grow from, you in turn have to identify the things that you're great at too. Mm -hmm. Because everybody is so quick to look at a negative, right? And if you can't identify what you're great at, nobody's going to do it for you. And how can you repeat greatness if you can't identify what it is? I think... That was the, I think you hit exactly on why I brought this up because a lot of people that I've run into both in my, my current work environment and pretty much in my entire life, usually among people that perform really high. And by that, I mean, they understand an assignment or they understand a metric and they're able to attack that metric holistically and, and achieve it and exceed it. I hear a lot of, it's very difficult for me to brag about myself. And so when you get to the part of the assessment where it's like, hey, wh wh where did you exceed? Like, show me that you did above and beyond. A lot of those people think, uh, and myself included, I like to think more about how people supported me and what their contributions were instead of highlighting my own. Like, I could have done something that was pivotal to success for something and it'll be difficult for me to think of it and 10 other people will have to point it out before I um, before I say oh yeah wow and sometimes even to me it's like oh I did that uh, that was nothing I just you know I just clicked the mouse or typed a couple words like no big deal so I think that factors into it too is that in the moment for a lot of people it's really difficult to say Hey, I I did this and I contributed and this was where I big up myself because as opposed to saying, oh my God, look at that person. They're able to do a thing that I couldn't even dream of doing and without their skill set, we wouldn't have been successful. Mm -hmm. um, comparing yourself and your success to other people's successes, definitely the thief of joy, right? Somebody said that at some point. Mm -hmm. um, it was me just now, but I don't know who said it before me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... You know, I think the workforce goes through this 
curvature, right? Like this, these big waves that you can picture on a graph or you can picture as a tsunami where we go from, you have to be humble and you have to like work as a family, work as a team and appreciate everybody on the team. And so when it comes to a self assessment, it's hard to identify the self and the ego and, oh, if I do say that I did these great things, which I have facts to prove that I did these great things, then, well, I didn't give credit to the one person that said, good job, you know, that encouraged me to think beyond something, you know, just like the little things. And then we go through a culture of, you know, where you have all these uh, great keynote speakers that come out and they hit you hard with like the confidence. And um, like, I think of Eric Thomas, who comes out like with this hardcore uh, confidence booster facilitation that he'll give and you know just like super you have, motivational yeah super motivational but super yelling in your face and you're like he's mad at me if I don't say that I'm great you know but mm-hmm. it it definitely motivates you for the moment and I think of Mel Robbins another great uh, motivator and and facilitator and keynote speaker and one of um, the ones that she did for TED Talks really stands out and that, and that's where she grabbed me she spoke to um, a bunch of people and I love that she jumped off stage and she said that there's a four letter word that she hates and she puts it on the screen and it's F and it has the three asterisks after it right so everybody's like <laughs> they mumble with the little giggles you know it's a room full of adults and they're giggling at the possibility <laughs> of like a curse word on the phone uh, on the screen and um, she's like emphasizing it's this it's this word it's a terrible word and everybody uses it and everybody uses it so often and it's unprofessional and it's this and it's that And she's like, do you know what the word is? And everybody's like ready to like curse. And she reveals it and the word is fine. And she said, you know, you talk to people and you ask how you're doing and they're like, yeah, I'm fine. And we don't even stop to like inquire about it or talk about it. And she says, you're fine. You're fine. Like you're one of like four billion opportunities of like there's one in four billion opportunities of you being in the place that you're at at this point in time. And you being you to the parents that you were brought in by to the situation that you were built into. And she's like, and you're fine. You know, you know how many like souls are out there that wish they were in that position and you're fine. Like, do you understand, you know, the impact that you could have, but you're just fine. And um, that was really important for me to hear because we are quick to just, yeah, I'm fine. Like I could always be better. Mm-hmm. Right. I could always be doing better. And, you know, yeah, there's always somebody that has it worse than me, but there's always somebody that's doing greater than me. But if you were talking to me that way, I wouldn't let you because I would say, why do they matter more than you do in this moment? Right. And I would sit here and I would like challenge your thinking and I would do it in a positive way, not in a way that um, hopefully makes you feel bad because that's not the attention. Like the attention is to take you from where you're feeling now to like a different place and a lot of that is like neuro linguistic programming and just having you reframe how you're thinking in your mind um, and, and kind of building you out of that. But it doesn't ha- happen overnight. It doesn't happen in that moment. It, it gives you that electric impulse in your body, like in your heart and in your blood when you hear something and it clicks and it makes you feel good. It's not sustainable. It's sustainable when you're always with that person, you know, like I, I, every time that we're together and I continuously do that when you're in that moment, it'll give you that buzz again. Um, But you have to create it within yourself and really understand why are you giving more energy to boosting other people up and not giving that same energy to yourself? I'm not saying stop giving it to other people, but 
what's stopping you from giving it to yourself? And what would you say, like, in those moments where you're overthinking or you're doubting something you brought to the business, what, um, like, I know if I was speaking that way about myself that you would be like, hold on, wait a minute, right? Mm -hmm. But what would make it easier for you to do that for me than it does for you? Um, I think for me, it um, it's a it's a variety of things. Uh, Primarily... Um, it has to do with a self-conscious, um, I don't know if it's a belief, but, a, a, I, th- I'm, I think I'm trying to avoid being a braggart and I don't like the idea of being seen as one. Um, even if I have cause to be one, like if, uh, I think of, uh, um, you know, if I was a basketball player and I scored like 90 points in a game. I would probably be the person that goes, oh, you know, goes because back the into the speak for themselves, right? Correct. There. Yeah. And and I don't know why I think that way. Um, I don't know how many other people, if that's the the same reason, but I just don't want to be like taking the thing that I did that I thought wasn't cool and then putting it in everybody's face so that they're like, oh, look at this guy, he's just bragging about himself. Can we dig into this? Are you okay if we sure this a little bit? Okay, so. I think for the scenario with you doing the 90 points and um, you not being in the NBA currently is something I would dig into. But but let's go with that theory. So check his water bottle. (laughs) So I think with with that there, what would you have to say? Right. Because you already showed everybody. You already put it in everybody's face. Like everybody saw you do the 90 points in one game and you win it for the championship, that sort of thing. Remember when we watched the redeem team with Kobe Bryant and he Mm -hmm. put his finger up to his lips, like when he, you know, nailed the game, it's that sort of mentality. What more is there to say? Right. Like I did it. And most of the time when you see people face off, when I think of like the UFC, or and they have like the or boxing, you know, when they have the press uh, right before the fight, and you have somebody who's braggadocious and somebody who's not. The one that's more quiet is the one that usually wins, right? The one that's like containing their energy and I'll just show you instead mm-hmm. of like talk about it. Um, however, when you have an achievement at work, right, and we uh, and and you and your day, when you come to me and you tell me about that achievement. What makes you tell me about that achievement? Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, most of the time, it's really like an info dump. It's it's venting. Every now and again, there's something where something got finished or I did something and I just want to brag to my wife, right? So I'm just like, oh, look what I did. This is cool. But I also know that I feel comfortable enough to tell you without there being that judgment of well here comes jeff bragging so So if there's no judgment with me mm -hmm. is it still considered bragging um i don't know or is it just sharing your day with me you know but as i'm as i'm talking about it what i'm thinking of is i'll tell you that and i may not say it to the people at work but then if the people at work especially the ones that are supposed to be uh, coaching me or, or leading me don't recognize it then I feel salty mm. and I feel angry even mm. though I have the opportunity to tell them like hey I came up with that I achieved that I did this I did that but instead of doing that what I'm doing is um, being afraid to brag 
and not giving them the opportunity to hear what I did. Okay. What if we change the word in that situation, right? Because I think there's also a mentality that if you're in a leadership role, you're in a place where you're overseeing things, you should have noticed what I did mm-hmm. and there should be a conversation. And that's about the exact it. that's the exact thought process. It's right. like you didn't you didn't see me just score ninety. Right. Or or whatever the equivalent is. Right. And um, it, and it may not be that they didn't notice it. It just may be that they haven't acknowledged it at that point, you know, because on the other end, who knows what's going on on their end and what they have to communicate or how they're stacking that for you in what they're going to present to you moving forward. So it is the person and it is the role that they have in someone's life from what I'm hearing just from our conversation this experience that influences whether it's bragging or whether it's sharing um and if we change that let's say you just saved your company two million dollars right you you found something in a report that looked like it was messed up and you saw an opportunity to fix it it might have taken like maybe an hour at most out of your work week for you to do it, but you did it. And uh, this is not a database that your leaders go into constantly to see, but it's a pretty big deal to save a couple million dollars, right? What if you shared that with them instead of bragged to them about it? That's an that's an interesting thought. So what would that conversation look like? You know, I don't know exactly, but what I do know is that it because you're I'm reframing it and I'm sharing it instead of bragging if it's met with negativity now the the thing I'm salty about is different and it's more the lines of communication not being open instead of somebody being thinking I'm thinking I'm bragging because if I'm because if I'm sharing then I I literally just want you to know right mm-hmm. And so then if we if it's looked at negatively, that's more your fault than mine. Well, why would saving money be looked at negatively from an organization? I think if I'm if I look at it as sharing and the other person looks at it as bragging, they're ascribing a negative intention to what I'm doing and not me. So if I'm your leader and you share with me Mm-hmm. I just wanted to let you know I was working in this database today and I noticed that there was a glitch where there, uh, the reporting was incorrect. And in turn, I went ahead and fixed it and uh, it saved the organization $2 million. And so this might be throughout the reporting. I just found it in this particular one that I needed for what I was doing and I thought you should know. Tell me what the negative might be. What, what would be a negative response? I don't know that there would be a direct negative response. Okay. I know that they could. There could be like a perceived one. Like, there. Let, let's be honest. There's a. There are a lot of leaders out there that do not want a recount. They. They. They don't want that sharing. They don't want a recounting of your whole day. They want. Um, it's it's weird because I think this is this. If I was in that position, I would be horrified by this. But they want the thing that can manage itself, that can you know, move itself along. And some leaders are like that. Yeah. You have Um, different leaders that just want, like, give me the bullet points of your day. And then other leaders that want to take the rest of the day to hear about your week, you know, and then there's leaders that are timid in asking you about your day because mm -hmm. maybe they don't have as much knowledge as, and I say you generally, not specifically you, but like they may not know about 
what you do or your role because either they're green to the company or they're not licensed to do what you do or that sort of thing. So they're still learning different aspects and they're not sure if what you're sharing is a good thing or a bad thing. They haven't like determined that yet. And then there are ones that have been there, done that. So it's not as big of a deal in the um, position that they're currently in. And they might have forgotten how big a deal it is when they were in your position. Yeah. um, There's all types. And I think in either case, no matter what kind it is, it's more my perception of the of the response response of the reception of the sharing. So um, it could be like if I said, "Oh, cool, thanks for letting me know." Then you're sitting there like, "Really?" <laughs> like I just I just shared that with you. So then my response, because I could be a, a smart ass, um, as I don't know if you need that, but like, that's <laughs> something that is a talent, uh, would probably be like. I can't wait for the day where I could brush off saving $2 million like it's nothing. You know, like, that's amazing. Um, And and kind of generate that response against fishing for that compliment, um, using humor to do it. But there has to be an acknowledgement that this is is a milestone. This is a big thing. Because if this is happening in one report, and maybe it was the same person that created it, how many times did their fingers stutter when typing this? Or if it's not, if it's not a big thing. Explain to me how it's not. Mm. Explain to me, like, are we a multi-quadrillion dollar company where $2 million is nothing? Right. And even in a multi-quadrillion dollar company, $2 million is something. Right. You know, it's it's always something because it's a lot of money regardless. Mm-hmm. And when when I think about, like, the biggest companies in the world, if there's a million dollar error here with a group of small a small group of five people you can only imagine how that can you know escalate compound more, yeah. and escalate when you look at the rest of the company because so, they don't get the, to be that without noticing those little things like every penny matters right? correct wasn't that part of um wasn't that the uh wolf of wall street scheme too with the penny uh stocks penny and, stocks yeah. yeah things like that and then in, remember in Office Space, <clears throat> it was the 1990s, the, ni- the 1900s movie, great movie. Um, they still had fax machines back there and fax, just look it up. Um, so that's what they did at the end where they skimmed a penny off of the accounts, right? Yeah, they would take in fractions of pennies. But, pe- you know, with inflation and everything else, pennies yeah. were worth more in the 1900s. <laughs> which, which also, I think they make it a reference to the fact that it's also the plot to Superman 3. But... I digress, you know, <laughs> some fun stuff. As he looks off into space and just <laughs> pictures the scene in the movie. And our age. <laughs> and so, yeah, with that, I think there's also the false positive, right? So you had the positive, possible negative response, which is only negative in how, like you said, how you perceive it and how it's received and where your mindset is in that moment. Like if you have been unhappy with your job and they still don't acknowledge something great that you did, it's like, what more do you want from me? Like I'm I'm literally saving you millions and I can't even get a thank you or great job. Right. Um, again, going back to the redeem team and basketball, we just saw, uh, with Dwayne Wade where he had to get shoulder surgery and knee surgery at the same time before he was going to go into training for the Olympics. And then he, um, you know, then they're questioning, well, should he even be on the Olympic team? Like, it, he just had these surgeries. Is he ready for all this? And he had committed years of his life going mm-hmm. to the Olympics and the trainings and stuff. 
And he's like, uh, you see him working out and trying to rehabilitate and giving his all and dedication and stuff. And he's like, it's every time it's not good enough. Every time it's not good enough, whether it's here, whether it's there, it's just all I hear is it's never good enough. And I have to go again and I have to go meet with the coaches and I have to meet with this and I have to demonstrate I can do it. And it's never good enough. So, you know, I, I, I can see where the perception is important also depending on where your mindset's at and what your history has been. Now, the false positive is when somebody spends too much time celebrating you and then it comes across as fake, right? So, you know, same scenario, you go ahead and you share like, hey, Tiffany, you know, just wanted to let you know that I noticed this and saved us about $2 million for the organization. Oh my God, that's amazing. Hold on, I'm going to send out an email blast to everybody to check their reports and go and do this. And then this is what you did. And this is just... Wait till they, my boss hears about it, right? And it gets too exaggerated where someone's bragging for you. And then it can be embarrassing. And then it can feel like all the achievements that you have weren't that great. The person's just, um, I don't know. I don't know if they're like taking that celebration because you're on their team or if it's just they're overdoing it to because you're on their team and they don't want to lose you or... Uh, you know, that's just how they were taught to give recognition, but it's just, it's awkward. It's really awkward sometimes when it's not, it doesn't come across as genuine. I, I've been in this scenario, so I'm going to, I'm going to speak to this. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. And (laughs) (laughs) well, the way I look at it is you cannot use a little measuring cup to measure how much water there is in a lake. And by that, I mean, you take forever. But yeah, and by that I mean some people have a standard which is in the basement. They want their team to just do the the whatever the bare minimum is. And if you are if you or a couple of people on your team are high achievers, now high achievers, I say that relative to the rest of the team, there's always room for improvement and you if you hear a lot of constant praise, you might be outgrowing the team that you're on, mm, because because they might be measuring you with with the small with the with the wrong type of measuring cup. Mm-hmm. And so, if I did a 95 job in on a 40 team, people are going to look at me, and everything I do is awesome, but they're they're basically not allowing me to get the feedback that I need. To get that additional 5%. Even as a top performer, you want feedback? Or do you feel like, I got it at this point. Just let me mark that exceeds expectations finally because I'm at that point where I'm allowed to. Well, I think that depends on, on the individual. For I would like to think that for most people, um, you, want, you always want to be improving. It's... Uh, for me, it's a horrible feeling to think I'm a, I've mastered this thing, and here's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, and it's not going to even if it's something I really like to do. After a while, it has to get boring. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but that's just what I think. I think that for a lot of people, the feeling of doing the same thing and it's not you're not going any higher. You know, after a while, it becomes a negative. Well, I don't think that applies to 
um, necessarily what you're doing. I think that applies to who you're doing it for. And I say that because when, okay, here's the caveat to that. If you're in your career, I think your statement applies to who you do that for, not necessarily what you're doing. So somebody that is a cardiothoracic surgeon and is doing heart surgeries constantly, I don't think they ever necessarily get tired of what they're doing, but they may get tired of the people that they do it for. If the hospital is in growing and training staff or hiring interns or um, putting this uh, person in positions to grow and be head of cardiothoracic, if, if they're really great at it, you know, if you're not great at it, then, you know, <laughs> watch Grey's Anatomy, maybe you'll get greater. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I don't think they get tired of looking at hearts and performing surgeries every day, but maybe it's not the right team for them to work for the right environment or the right benefits, or they're not getting recognized for how many patients and the success rate and um, the journal entries they've written and how much they've been published and that sort of thing. Um, but I think in, in that scenario, a person who's a cardiosurgeon. Cardiothoracic. Car- it took me a long time. Cardiothoracic surgeon. <laughs> um, I think they are still, though, reading different journals to learn new techniques, reading different things to get, like, maybe if a... Reading if a, or writing. Because if you're writing them then they're at the performance level you were sharing before at like a 95 versus mm-hmm. the 45 group. But if they're reading them, then maybe they're at the 45 percentile. But I think even a person who's at a 95 level, if if there's a new thing, like if if the standard for doing a specific surgery is eight hours and there's something that can get it done in seven, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know what I think of is there's a, a restaurant here in, in this town that makes really, really good Thai food. Okay. And the guy who owns it, at least once a year, he flies to Thailand and to just learn what new techniques they have there. And then when he comes here, his Thai food is, in, is amazing. But he's always going back because he always wants to learn something new. Hmm. And it's one of the best Thai places you'll ever go to. And I think it's kind of the same thing with a, with a surgeon. Like... You might have the technique that you know now really, really well done, and you might be doing trials to even come up with something new, but so are all the other surgeons. Right. So if one of them comes up with something even better, um, I think where it where it kind of crashes is in some places where you might have, like a hospital might have a really, really good surgeon, but they don't give them the time. Or the tools. They don't have the funding for it. Or the tools mm-hmm. to learn new things and to get better so then they're just going through the motions of something that they really know how to do and that's where i think it might get boring well yeah i i I can agree with that and especially um if they know that the surgeon is fantastic at what they do and is constantly bringing in patients then time away from the surgery is time away that equals money yeah right and they need that funding and that sort of thing um so then in that scenario um or in other scenarios, I, I I don't think a lot of it is the passion, again, for what they do. Uh, it just may be the opportunities or, like, really, if you're great at um, performing heart surgery, who's what negative feedback are you going to get? 
Like, you know, I'm looking at the reporting here for the past month and out of all the patients you saw, 100% of them you saved. I just think that maybe how you use stitches on this one versus glue on this one could have been an opportunity. Um, but who knows? I'm not a surgeon. But if I had to guess, that would be my feedback to you as your boss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would think that there's the person who's in charge of surgery is somebody who knows surgery and maybe they don't have the ability like their hands start to or whatever like they don't have the ability to keep doing it um but then i think of in the same vein like think of musicians huh, same vein i see uh, what you did there <laughs> um but in in that vein you, uh-huh. you, you, you think of musicians and they'll go into a studio and maybe you or i might think wow that person just just like destroyed that song but their producer, who hears this every single day, all day, might look at them and go, "You're gonna use that same chord on every freaking song that you do." Yeah, or, or <laughs> you know, in, in in on the bridge, you you really didn't hit it as hard as you could have, and they know that artist, so they know that they have more to give, so they try to bring it out of them. And if I was the producer, I'd be like, "Yeah, that's a wrap. One take. We're done. Ship it." And I think that is the difference between to me you know a leader and somebody you want to brag to and somebody who who pulls pulls out the best out of you that you say okay I want to share with them what I did and they know how to how to uh frame their feedback to you in a way that you want to do more you know what I mean like and, and maybe not more given the the climate that we're in but better you want to improve the quality. I, I'm thinking back over um, milestones in my lifetime, whether it was career, life, that sort of thing. And in times when I was younger and I had an opportunity to brag, I didn't because I thought I was too young to demonstrate that I had the experience or the people that I was placed in front of that I had the opportunity to share uh, my successes with they were so like big in my eyes and in my mind that I didn't feel like I had the right to say that I did anything great to them because I felt that they achieved so much more greatness. So that goes back to comparing, right? Mm -hmm. And what, and and just like you said about the, the bass player, guitar player, that sort of thing. And so again, their highlight reel to me is their life. Where for them, it was just a moment and they're thinking, I could do so much better or I still have this to work on or I don't know what it took to get them to that point, right? Where they're able to do that like it's nothing. Um, And then like knowing who I am now and the experiences that I've had and the confidence I've gained and more strength that I've gained, sometimes I wish I had that experience and I would go back in time to those moments with that confidence, with that experience, with the ability to speak in front of a room and uh, not mumble, even though everything turned out the way that it was supposed to. But if it was my friend, and like I think about when I had um, the opportunity to play music that I created in front of record executives, in front of a whole room, you know the story. And I went with a friend that I worked with. We both worked in a clothing store in New York. um, And I was just like, I'm going to this thing. Um, You know, a a close friend gave this to me as a gift where I could go to Learning Annex and um, maybe they'll play my demo, maybe not, not sure. And she's like, yeah, of course I'll go. And I mean, like, 
we knew each other maybe four or five months, but she's like, I'll take a ride into the city with you and hang out with you all day and go to this weird basement and just like, <laughs> whatever. Um, she was super gung-ho and she was super supportive and um, she hadn't heard my music yet, but um, we sat uh, down and her name was Kate and she was just like always positive, just like always had that positive energy, super happy all the time, you know? Um, and she was cheering me on the whole way and they only there was a huge room and they only picked five people based on the tickets uh that you were given when you walked in the door and of course they pulled my ticket as the last person and I had to go up in front of the room and play my music in front of everybody and I like I can still feel that (laughs) I'm getting it now like I could still feel my heart racing and that anxiety of who am I to be in this room and share my music when I just came out of work. I'm still wearing my work clothes, like, you know. Um, and she's there, and all I see is her bright, smiley face cheering me on while I'm tearing myself down walking up in front of the room, right? Like saying, no, I should, probably shouldn't do this, da da da, da. Um, And I just see her, like, her, she had beautiful blue eyes, like big blue eyes, and I could see them, like, staring at me out of the room and, like, encouraging me, like, without saying anything. And, um, and so, you know, I... I played everything, everything happened, whatever. And they wanted to speak to me after the conference. So the conference ends and I see them get flooded with the room. Like everybody wants to talk to all the executives, blah, 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 blah. And so, um, Kate's like, okay, let's stay. Let's, they wanted to talk to you. So you got to go up there. I'm like, no, like they're, the panel's already crowded. There's no way I'm going to get through. Like it is what it is. Like I got, I had my moment. I'm, I'm fine. Right. So I have my backpack on and we're ready to walk out and I get pulled back, like jerked back. And it's the MC of the event. And she's like, where are you going? She was like, they wanted to talk to you. She's like, why are you leaving this place? This woman doesn't know me from a hole in the wall, but she's like making sure that I'm not sneaking out without getting mm-hmm. an opportunity. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't want to bother anybody. <laughs> like, you know, I know they said they wanted to talk to me, but like they were, it was just so busy and you know, it's been a long day and just make making excuses for myself. And even Kate at that time was just kind of like, are you sure you want to go? Like, I'll do whatever you want, but we don't have to. And but this MC was like aggressive about it. And that was the universe like pulling me back. Like, no, you're going to take this opportunity. But I didn't have the confidence in myself. And thank goodness people that really didn't know me that well at the time had more confidence in me than I had. And I think that um, speaks volumes to who you surround yourself with because at this time in my life, I have people that are still more confident in me than I can be in myself. And I think that goes to imposter syndrome. Um, You know, like what you said, some things that come naturally to you that you would have just done and it was nothing like what you would do on your performance review. Like, oh, yeah, I did that. Like Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, Because it was easy, because it was like the goodwill hunting moment. Was that 1900s? Yes. Yes. Yep. Because I referenced it to my guidance counselor. Yes. (laughs) 1900s. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I, I think because you naturally have that gift you don't realize it's a gift that you get to share with the world and people get to be amazed by how naturally it comes to you. And because it doesn't come that naturally to them, it's a strength. It's a skill set. It's something that is of importance and value to this world, to the organization or to the friendship, you know, or all of the above, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, how you place it together. And we don't accept gifts that well whether it's verbal or whether it's physical, it's more of 
oh no you didn't have to get me anything oh yeah. no i didn't need that or no you didn't have to say that like i just did it because it was just you know it, it's nothing that sort of thing and um and, and it goes back to the bragging so i think it goes back to share your gift with the world and if the world hasn't recognized what to, what your gift is then you have to share with them what it is and you have to tell them and define it and let them know and then after that if they know it's a gift and they're celebrating it and then you're throwing it in their face i think that's when it becomes bragging like if you're bragging to make yourself better than somebody else or put somebody down um that's where it's no longer a gift yeah um yeah i i agree i i want to that doesn't sound like agreement (laughs) no you know what it's i'm i'm thinking about my approach to this and i'm coming to a realization so we're having like a live aha moment okay on on the podcast Uh where it is true that like you know i'm thinking is my intention ever to brag if i show tell somebody something i did and no it's not but when in in some organizations they they use the bragging as almost like the carrot to get you to do the self-assessment. Like, or well, to pit employees against each other. Yeah, like this is your chance yeah. to, to show off and brag and whatever. And, that, and sales, I think, probably. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that, and that is what I think for some people shies them off, when in reality it should be framed of in a way to say, share with us, this is your chance to share more of yourself and yep. your successes, et cetera, with us. Now that um, makes me think of a couple of times I've shared this story, <laughs> shared, and it was, you know, there's usually something in the office, the back office, manager's office, back room, where there's a board that shows successes of the team and the employees, right? And um, the manager is usually the one that puts the top three up there, right? Like these are the, this is the leadership board. This is the person that sold this amount and this amount and this amount. And this is where everybody else is at. So the manager is comparing the results of the staff and telling the staff who's number one based on what they believe the uh, results are, you know, like whether they're saying, uh, yeah, you had the most clients. So you're number one today, or you sold the most dollars or you sold the most accessories or you upsold this or you had the biggest growth from last month to this month whatever they see is like the coolest thing is what they decide goes up there so the team is always waiting to hear somebody else tell them what they're great at instead of acknowledging it themselves when um i did this uh consulting the extended consulting gig that i had this year um that was one of the things that uh, i shared at the facilitation or the seminar rather is how many leaders or how many of you tell your teams what they're great at versus asking them what numbers are they proud of like who's putting those numbers in the back office or the back room who's who's deciding what that greatness is and how do you see things through their eyes versus what you just see because this store may have that and there's different factors for that and this store may have this and there's different factors for this you have somebody that your leaders didn't highlight because their total numbers weren't high but yet when you look at how many hours they worked they made more per hour than the person you highlighted at the top 
um, because the person at the top worked 40 hours and they made like X amount, but the person at the bottom that you didn't even highlight or acknowledge made the same amount of money, um, um, like not the same amount of money, but worked 20 hours and made X amount of money. And technically they worked harder and smarter than the person that you have at the top of the board. So how are you looking at these numbers? Are you looking at them at face value? Or are you really like digging in to understand the business? And once you understand it, asking your team, here, you come back here, you highlight what you think is great. And that's how you get your team to notice um, their own growth and notice and have awareness about their own performance versus just coming in and working a nine to five every day um, and just saying, oh yeah, like, uh, Kelly's always at the top of the board, so why do I even bother? And, you know, I'm just not going to make the board. I'm always going to be at the bottom. But there's always something for you to celebrate. So how are you recognizing your own growth? And again, you have to look at your uh, strengths and celebrate your strengths and recognize your strengths first before you even start to talk about your opportunities. And again, look at your opportunities as no, this still gives me room to grow. This is still stuff that I'm excited to work on because I recognize that I haven't and clearly it's on my mind. And so this is, uh, you know, how I go from great to greater. TiffanyRuffino.com. Go to that website and you can give us feedback. You can uh, ask us questions. You can check out our events page because we have an event coming up in Mm -hmm. January. Absolutely. Uh, that's where you'll have the most up-to-date information about the event and um, how you can be involved. In addition, uh, if you go to TikTok, at the underscore IO underscore shrink, help us get to a 1,000 followers, and then you'll see us live. Whoop, whoop. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share.